0: Hi, it's Pete Price, and I've got a very, very special podcast this week. It's Colin McEwen, the legendary Colin McEwen, who's just been given the freedom of the city and L.A. Productions, talking about his life in his career, creating television drama and giving us, the public, sensational television Liverpool Live. ladies and gentlemen I am delighted I am doing an interview now I've got one sheet of paper in front of me I don't even know why I need this because I'm a fan of this guy this man stayed in Liverpool we're going to talk about that this man has had a career this man has brought to your screen so much and I wanted to go on a journey with this man because I just respect him and at the end of this interview, you'll say, Wow, that's what it's all about. Colin McEwen, MBE. Hello, Colin. Hi,
1: Pete. How are you? Thank you so much for doing this with me. No, no, no. Made up, mate. As you say, it's uh, it, It's nice to have some sort of record, really, in a way, because you, you work hard, you get things done, you get things produced, and it's only very rarely you get time to reflect.
0: So we're going to reflect. Colin, um, you described television film producer, uh, L.A. Productions,
1: we'll talk about L.A. in a minute. How do you describe yourself? Um, I always like uh, sort of giving answers like that. You know, students ask you and they say things like, what do you do? What does a producer do? And I always say, well, he's the guy who arranges the talent, makes the party happen and mobs the sick up at the end. Um, everything basically Uh, if you're not there you're the glue that puts it all together so it's not going to be together, as simple as that really in a way don't get me wrong, what I love about a piece is it's a collaborative process and your job as a producer I think really is to sort of eke out the best out of everybody the best out of the crew, the best out of the performances the best out of the script and you know you can do that really by be discerning in all all those areas and luckily I was trained in every single area at Canada, um, one of those guys bit of a smart ass um, but the, the, at the time how it came about was we were uh, put on a pool system so we could be plugged in at any department so we, we ended up with a spectrum of knowledge um, that served as a precursor for me as being a producer which is something just uh, that just evolved.
0: Colin McCune, how hard are you as a person? How hard have you got to be to be in your position?
1: Um I, I I don't know if it's a degrees of hardness piece. I just think, um, like your good self, I, I don't suffer fools, really. I don't like being messed around by people. Um, me mum gave me a gift when I was born, and that is to see through people quickly. Um, when we started Brookside in 1982, I was the HR, by the way. I took everybody on. I want to say everybody, everybody. you know. And my job was, yeah, you're... Blah, blah, blah. And I made decisions instantly because me mum used to have have this gift and when I'd take like, a girl home for her to meet I'd, I'd sit her down on a chair and I'd look over the chair that'd be mum she'd only just sat down the girl and my mum would go not for you, <laughs> and she gave me that that quality. I'd like to think that's one of one of the things I have got. Uh, and therefore, as you know, casting is um, is is really that ability to be able to perceive something really quickly. I mean, I could look at uh, people in thirty seconds and know exactly uh, if they're the right pair person for the part. And you can also make allowances with people because some people some people don't get it right, but. Yeah, so that is is, uh, one thing I can hold up and say, I'm so glad I've got it.
0: I'm talking to Colin McEwan. We talked about, uh, or just mentioned then, 1982 with Brookside.
1: Let's go back before then. You mentioned your mum. Yeah. Who is Colin McEwan, the boy? Yeah, it's interesting, Pete, in as much as um, my mum had kids, my dad had kids, and they had kids together. So we were a, a generational mix. All in the same house. Um, and, you know, I came from um, um I remember saying, the, the, the turning points in your life are interesting, aren't they? And my turning point was, my mum said to me, you've got two directions you can take here. You can either go to Riversdale Tech and go on a course to be a radio officer, like your, like your half-brother there, uh, who's doing extremely well on, on board the ship's, Or you can go with your mates, earn some money and go to Butlins. He said, think about it, but what do you want to do? And I said, go to Butland. She says, well, you're not. You're going to Riversdale Tech. I said, I thought it was a choice, Mum. She says, no, no, it's not a choice. And that was it. So that was my turning point, basically. And the matriarch society, Pete, that Liverpool represents uh, was certainly evident with our family, really. And uh, I was glad my mum said that because I started to blossom at Riversdale Tech. Uh, I got a job... At Radio Rentals, I am the only producer that I know could fix your telly. Get it? Not only have I put stuff on the back of the thing, I could fix it for you. Um, so I was an engineer. You know, I was brought up as an engineer, and I still had aspirations, maybe, of a marine radio and going away to sea. Because my uh, half-brother Donny used to have gold braid, and he'd come home from sea um, with with a blonde on each with, 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 with on each sleeve, and I thought, oh, well, I have a bit of that. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. And uh, while, I was, while I was working at Radio Rentals, um, they said to us, uh, look, there's an opportunity um, to go to Granada Studios uh, as a trainee. And I said, Gnarder? I thought it was just another TV rental company because, you know, Granada did that as well. So, And they said, no, 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 no. It's where they make the programmes. So I thought it was worth a shot. And had a go. And I, I was the only scouser in about four or 500 there. And uh, for some reason they said... You got the gig? Let me hold you there. Let's go back. If you'd have gone to Butlins, where do you think your life would have gone? It's really interesting, you know, because when I was at Butlins... Um one of the redcoats that was there was Jimmy Tarbuck. And even then, you know, uh, I remember my dad saying, this guy's... Keep your eyes on this lad. He's good, you know, sort of thing. So ran right away, um, there was there was a, a hierarchy in whatever you did, and even Butlins. Um, I remember um, uh, on the Parkinson show a long, long time ago, they said to the then... Um, uh, Muhammad Ali, who was Cassius Clay, obviously, and, and at the time he was Cassius Clay, and they said to him... Um, if you'd have been a dustbin man, um, but you know, would I would how would you have got on? And he said, "I would I would have been the best dustbin man." You know, ever. And I, to answer your question, I would have been brilliant, in my opinion, because I would have taken it on as a challenge, and I would have possibly filtered into maybe being a redcoat, and I could have ended up like a ver- variation of Pete Price. Who knows? And you're a good-looking man, so redcoats were always good-looking. <laughs> no, absolutely, I, I I like the idea of it. I, I, I wasn't. As uh, good mu- musically that I aspired to be, because I thought he had a good voice, and now I listen to my son um, playing guitar and and, and 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 making up songs, and I, and I keep saying to Zach, "You have a gift, don't you understand? If I had that gift, I would have been a musician, and I would have been making hundreds of thousands of pounds doing it. Think about it, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah, but I could have drifted into that side of the industry, and and I would have embellished it and I would have I would have taken it with gusto and I think I would have been something
0: and of course uh, being a red coat, you would have had
1: ladies on the arm without the gold braid. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's funny, isn't it? The, um, uh, the, the the choices you make in life and the directions you go in and, you know, people often ask you that question, um, what would you have changed and stuff? Um, and the answer is nothing, really, I don't think, because I just think I'm a great believer in faith and where life takes you, life takes you, really. Yeah.
0: i tell you what's amazing, you've just mentioned uh, Butlins and I'm now going to diversify because I always do um it was the first holiday with my mum and holiday camps in those days were not like they are today it was mega it was unbelievable they had the clapping in when you all arrived and you went to your chalets. and describe what it was like when you were young yeah it was fascinating
1: and i think what people forget is that uh, you perceive an awful lot as a kid. You look at things. Um, I often think uh, Jimmy McGovern uh, was born to be a writer because he's a great observer of life and stuff. And and for me, I used to observe an awful lot, and I always remember a little event that happened there, Pete, and it was strange, really, that one of the uh, chalet assistants... um, uh, was asking me strange questions like uh, oh how's your mum and dad and uh, did, it, did it get on well and uh, how's your dad Is it? they were asking me these strange questions how's it worked out um, I shouldn't say this should I but she was on the game basically and I could as a kid of about nine I clocked it all I knew that and I said to me mum this woman here you know and, and my mother had a word with it, as only mothers can basically off she went <laughs> wow wow tell me Working radio rentals. Did you
0: ever, in a trillion years, know where you were going to where you
1: are today? I tell you what did happen, Pete, and uh, and uh, and uh, and then I knew. Um, you know, in my heart of hearts, I was going to be somebody different slightly is when I was at school. Um, I, you know, the, a lowly, second modern school, St. Aloysius in Hainton. I remember the English teacher doing oral English. And, uh, and I thought it was great because you could just sort of say what you wanted and you couldn't stop. It. it was part of the brief, the oral thing. You could say what you're passionate believed. And, uh, he'd just given us a lecture about how we shouldn't have big aspirations and how not one of us would ever end up being much, and we should know that, and if anybody's got an we got opportunity of being uh, an apprentice of some sort, we should grab it because that, that's never going to happen. Uh, and I said to him, um, do you realise you know, how demotivated you are and are uh, given this? eloquent speech uh, from from like a nine year old about how I was going to be something and then he can come back and see me and I would seek him out Uh, and I did um, uh, when I got the job at Granada, I actually invited him to to come on the wheel tappers and shunters, which I was like assistant editor on at the time, really in a way, and it was Granada Studios, you know, sort of thing. So I'd made a significant big step enough to be to banner a wave a little bit about. So I always thought, you know, I would achieve something, um and, and and it was mainly because um, I reacted to oppression well, you know, which I still do to this day. Interesting. I'm talking to Colin McEwen, MBE, uh, which
0: we'll talk about later as well, um, about this incredible journey this man has been on um, through the years. Is it easy to have a personal life with the job you do?
1: Um, I think as you grow older, you, you, you understand the value. And I think when you start off, Pete, uh, it's hard because like you, you love what you do. Um, you communicate uh, and it fulfills you. And it's so rewarding doing it. So um, the personal side, there's no doubt about it, has to take a back seat. That's a decision you make. And you make that earlier on and you explain to the people around you what you're doing, how you're doing. With it and hope you choose the right people to be around you, Pete, to support you. Uh, I think over the years I have, thank God, because if they hadn't, I would have had to move on because it, it was very much career driven. Staying with that, because it, it's interesting, without even going into your
0: career now, looking at what you've got now and bringing people on board, is there still a the passion or are young people not? as passionate as
1: they used to be? We're from a different era,
0: or am I being picky?
1: no you're not being picky i don't think they are really unfortunately uh i think social media has changed an awful lot um the the method and um uh just the behavior patterns really you know the zeitgeist uh, of these times is not our zeitgeist it's a different type altogether um we were absolutely committed and passionate to everything that, that we did and wanted to achieve things um that doesn't mean that everybody out there is, is, is tied with the same brush, but I do believe there is a reduction in um, uh, a sort, sort of direction that the youth of today take.
0: And with Colin McEwen, and we're talking about the film and television industry. So, we've got the journey starting, you've got into Granada, you've found out it's not a radio or TV rental, it's a studio. What happened next? Well, what
1: was strange, Pete, is that um, uh, you know I know uh, Scousers uh, get labelled, you know uh, that they can go into any place and they're not shy and you know they they'll, they'll mingle and stuff. I was pretty shy, to be honest with you, in the industry. And they would uh, you people would easily take the Mick. Now, don't get me wrong, I was I was always quick witted and I could always throw one back. But um, one of the first things I, I did, um, I was in. Telecine, which is where they have the big thirty five mil films and uh, my job was to press the button to put out Return of the Seven right to the nation you know, and uh, I remember uh, saying uhV v vi- 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 I'm getting a bit nervous about it. BTRA B- 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 here, BTRA. Return of the seven, uh, and and I'd say uh, I'm, I'm rolling film, and I go film, and because of the accents, you know, and, and they were they were immediately on it, and I thought, Ugh. and I remember then you'd you'd be sat in front of the machine, piece and you'd be riding the levels. I remember getting quite cocky and phoning me mates and saying, "You what should me 10 of the seven at the moment?" I said, "That's me putting it out," and I said, "How oh, do you know it's you?" I said, "Watch it," and I go and I do. It. and I'd I'd just get the exposure and I said, that's not you I said, yeah, give us a minute, I'll do it again but he said, for God's sake, how are you doing that you know, and it was just uh, a wonderful, wonderful world um, to be thrown into because my passion was football, and uh, the, I got the job of going out on outside broadcast with Gerald Stinstadt and it was a phenomenal, peculiar world. And I'll, I'll tell you some of the things that we did were just amazing. I'm sure you'll you you get this piece. We're with Gerald Stinson, right? So he's doing the commentary, of course. Um, now, slow mo was 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 available, but it wasn't in the in thing. You just press a button and you get your slow mo or anything you had to decide what you were going to slow-mo and then that night now you've already shot the thing the game's over so how are you doing the slow-mo so what did do live he would describe the goal uh so it laid underneath at the, at the time of recording it laid underneath as a track so we would say and um, what happened now Roger Hunt the ball came across and St John headed it and it went through a really good goal so he instantly record when you think some of the broadcasters now and they can't do it without scripts uh, and there's somebody instantaneously doing it that night we would take the recording send it down to, to London and they would they had a slow machine and they would slow it down and then send it right down to Manchester where we'd fit it into match of the day I mean, wow. absolutely incredible. Do you think think of that? You know, sort of thing. So while you were doing all this, what were you thinking? Which way
0: were you going? What was your brain telling you to do?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to be, first of all, good at what I did. Really, you know. So you were in departments, different departments, and they had modules. So I ended up, uh, Pete, on this big five-year training plan, and they would they would literally put you in every department. I was in makeup. So I remember going home to my mum saying, uh, You know, the little lipstick uh, you use, well, you know, you could use this one because it's a different shade. What are you doing with me? For God's sake, what, what is it? I said, Well, it's <laughs> mum, it's to do with the job that we're in. And, you know, she said, I don't like the sounds of it, Colin. you should be concentrating on something else. And then, you know, they'd give me jobs to do, like i go into props and they'd say, uh, All right, son, um, we need two checkers of vacuum passports by four o'clock. All right. I said, Well, where, where, where would I get them from? That's your job, son. go on. So, you'd find out very quickly how you would get there and how you'd service the production. That was your job. So, it was wonderful, really, to be placed in these situations, which are just incredible. And they were, they were I think, what's fantastic about that process, which I've duplicated here, by the way, which is to learn on the job, throw people into situations, uh, you know, and say, swimmer sink um, and they won't sink because you'll always, you'll, you'll always help them but what they'll get is a phenomenal amount of cutting edge experience because they're actually doing the job and that stayed with me it stayed with me all my life really so that, that's another experience while this was happening what was your mum thinking? Did she get it? My mum was very proud, you know, because uh, I would eventually um, sort of invite her to some of the shows. Funny enough, I did invite her, if you remember this, to the Wheel Tappers and Shunters, because the audience on the Wheel Tappers and Shunters, first of all, it was all staged uh, a studio, but it looked like like a social club. Um, everybody had drinks so they got real drinks and all that uh, and then they give the audience musical instruments to play now and again <laughs> No exactly recent so I was uh we were we were doing, um, for instance, um, uh, loads of the axe piece. I mean, the, the acts that they had that you would have had at the Shakespeare and so forth, incredible. And they'd they, they'd come out, and um, uh, that I remember that particular uh, episode of the Wheel Tappers and Juniors that my parents came to, and my wife at the time came came, and we 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 show it, and years and years and years later, I'm watching YouTube, up it comes. And my mother was well gone. And my dad, I had to round around with and say, Christ, you're watching YouTube, watching... And we all went, oh, my God. And it was just phenomenal. And it was phenomenal to bring a bit of my success to her life, you know, uh, into her life. And to feel the pride yeah, that they had. How long were you working on Wheel Tappers? Um, it was a few, quite a few years. I mean, basically, we, I was, uh, uh, Johnny Hamp uh, produced it, and I sort of um was like one of the assistant editors there, and of course, I was assistant editor on everything, really. I mean, like, so your job was to go around the shoots, the shiny floor stuff, as they say, uh, and also Coronation Street, um, uh, and uh, World at War um uh I, I probably bored you with this story before people world of war is where i first met laurence olivier because he was doing the voiceover to world of war and he came in to Grenada one time because he was married to joan plowright um and joan plowright's brother was david plowright he was the head of Ganada. so there's a big connection there and i remember he came stomping in uh one time and i said oh you do World War, don't you? And he said, "Yes, I do, young man." I said, "Oh well, I've just previewed it and put it out to the nation." He said, "Oh, very good." And I said, "Do you get your PRS or not? Do you get money?" He said, "Oh yes, only man to transmit. That's all i transmitter." He said, well, I should have got money about that. Should I? I'll check. So, yeah, I'll use my phone. So, use my phone. And he, and he gave he his, his his agent down the banks that he had that this money, uh, because this uh, happy little scout that had just prodded him basically, and then he offered me an opportunity to 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 work on one of his productions because he was doing Olivier presents, um, and one of them was Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. So I got to know Robert Wagner, Natalie Wood and so forth, and it was just an incredible, surreal moment in my life to be introduced to them by Lonsoluvian. How long were you at Granada? Overall, about seven years altogether, but I left only because of, of a fluke circumstance, and the fluke circumstance was um, they put on a notice board that uh, they were looking for um, uh, chief engineers in a broadcast sense to go to Saudi Arabia to train the Arabs, you know. And and I thought, oh, don't fancy that. Uh, but they paid for you to go to London, right? So we all thought, so me and a lot of my mates, we just got on that train and we went and we, we all got interviewed. And uh, strange uh, fortune, really, I decided I'd take the offer up and I'd go to the Middle East.
0: It's Pete Price and I'm with Colin McKeown We're going to be talking about Brookside We're going to be talking about Moving on, 2009 Justice, 2011 Common, 2014 We've got such an amazing List of programmes to talk about uh, And we're going to Saudi But while the break was on Colin told us a story About Kathy Kirby I'm not letting that go, you've got to tell us So let's go back to the wheel tappers and shunters
1: So what was happening, I think, in um, uh, Kathy Kirby's life is, unfortunately, um, her Svengali, her centre of her life was Bert Ambrose, uh, who she had a long-term relationship with. He died, she fell to pieces, and she gradually tried to get back on the horse and sing and, and, and trying to get back and and gain the sort of confidence that she'd lost. She goes to wheel tabs and shunters and she tried three or four times to break into song and, and do all those wonderful songs that we all know know that she could do. And unfortunately it wasn't working. And it was one of those times where I brought my dad and my mom, he was confident because he had a ta- his own table down there's all his cronies around it and so forth. And Johnny Ham's, you know, fretting, not knowing what to do. There's a, if you can imagine the shot is a lonely mic, silver, glittered, nobody on it curtains drawn behind it and as, as we're all looking what we're going to do about it, me dad gets up from the seat, goes over, grabs hold of the mic and because he was, he, he, was, he was a great orator and so forth really, and he was at home with the mic you know, like Peter of course, you know some people have got a natural gift, they get it they talk, and he did this wonderful motivational um, talk to the to, the, <laughs> to, to, to the to all the audience and just said come on now, you've got to get together for this girl you've got to give her some encouragement, you've got to give Give her some sort of support let's give her the applause she deserves she's the best singer that i've ever experienced in my life ladies and gentlemen kathy kirby the curtains go back and there appears kathy kirby and sang the song all the way to the end and when we got to the end i'm thinking oh my god dad what have you done and i looked at johnny Hamp, and he went bring your dad anytime you want son
0: <laughs> he forgot where he is he wasn't in a studio He was <laughs> in, in all a all social lesson I first met you properly when you talked to me about a programme you did at Mecca and I'll never forget this as long as I live which is a nice intro to go to Saudi yeah. you weren't going to go you no. went down to London what happened? Yeah.
1: yeah I went and um, uh, the money was that they were offering was Incredible. Right. Uh, we were all very, very highly paid at Grenada, by the way. I remember, honestly, in the days of when they used to vet you for mortgages, I went to get my first mortgage and the guy couldn't believe what I was on. I was on about 10 times what he was on for a start. You know, we were all highly paid. And the offer um, uh, in Saudi Arabia was 14 times my salary wow. tax free. I was on more than the prime minister at the time, so it's hard to say no, isn't it? And I kept thinking, peace if I do that, it'll get me a, a leg up, really. Maybe I can buy my own house, really, and 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 I'll go back to do what I was doing at Granada anyway. So it it seemed to be a no a no brain at the time. So that's that's how it it started. Basically, how long were you there for? Mm. was there for three full years i only intended to be for one year and i remember flying in um to uh i could go on for about three years with this story by the way but but they got so many of them i remember flying into riyadh and um when the the doors of the plane opened the heat uh, it dried the inside of your mouth and i thought holy jesus am i gonna be subjected to this and um, they'd chosen a place for me to go, and it—it it, it sounds like Clint Eastwood would be, would be mayor of. It was a place called Barada, uh, and in the province of Kwasim which was quite remote uh, at the time, Pete. And I remember uh, my mum had said to me, um, uh, "When you when you're flying out there, wear a suit." And a good impression and so forth and and I had like a I had a trunk instead of a case, and she'd put shreddies in the trunk. So we lands. Of course they open all your stuff and berate it. And there it is, and there's the shreddies on top, all cracked all over. And 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 of course I'm down to work for the Ministry of Information. So the inspecting it never believed. So what I realized after a while was they thought the Shreddies were microphones. You ever thought of Shreddy as a microphone? You look at it, you think, <laughs> it could be, couldn't it? It could be like a small microphone, you think, Man. So in the end I had to like pick one up and Eat it and showed him it wasn't you know and the guy the guy that i was like taking over from was a guy from new york a very grumpy sort of new york chief engineer and i was it took me for ages to get out of you know uh, customs but anyway i got out and he said uh um you've taken ages to get through there and i said yeah well it's just one of those things and we're driving along and he's looking at me suit saying you gonna wear that suit all the while and I said to him, well, no, I normally wear a top hat and tails, actually, you know, later on. So I was trying to get in with the humour with him, but it not, not was yeah, going down yeah, exactly. at all. Um, but he took me there, and then, and then I was subjected to it, really. Well, uh, the, the province of cuisine, Bereda, a TV station, I was going to run, including a transmitter piece. So you had to make the programmes, transmit the programmes, and it was parked right next to a palace. Wow. Now, let's stay in Saudi because what people don't understand, and
0: I've worked over there once, once only, and I've worked a few of the Arab countries, what people don't understand is the rules and regulations yeah. that you were under were immense.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you know... Um, uh, it, it was easier for me up to a point because we had our um, own provisions at, at, at this TV station. We were well looked after and we didn't venture out that much. Um, but if you did, you had to toe the line because you had these matowers, more like a, like a, sort of like a, a religious priests that would go around and usher you out the way. And of course, I would always abide by what I was told to do but you had some Scottish lads there who would react really badly and I remember one of them throwing a punch at him in the tower and... I remember having to be on, on on the phone to the Home Office trying to get the guy out the country before they were going to do whatever they were going to do to him. But uh, I managed to do it, and, and we got him away, thank God. But it was it was a very tricky situation, Peter. And also what you put out on air, everything had to be monitored, didn't no. it? No, absolutely. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen the film uh, Cinema Paradiso, but the guy's in editing, like I was in editing, and um, the inside of Cinema Paradiso, they'd ring the bell, and he'd, he'd be doing editing well mine was editing Popeye right so what's what could be obnoxious about Popeye nothing uh, you'd think uh, until you got up to the point where the olive oil would come on and then the, the bell would ring and he would say to me well, and through a translator they'd say well it, her legs the legs he doesn't like her legs and he doesn't like the bare legs and he doesn't like the legs of olive oil so I had to cut that out of Popeye so Popeye become totally and utterly incoherent but that's just, just just an example of the of the culture you were in basically. What did you learn from Saudi? I learned a lot really because I, I learned uh, and, and I was staggered years and years and generations on when, when people spoke badly of Muslims because my experience was nothing but good um, they were wonderful, wonderful people and um, they had uh, really some strange and, and peculiar uh, practices like for instance, uh, given the Ramadan and so forth, um, uh, if you said like our oh, Lent, really, if you'd say things like, "Oh, that's really nice," that, "Oh, hey, is that your car," yes, Louis, they'd give you the car, <laughs> you know. Honestly, you you'd give it to them back, but they, they, if you wanted anything, they gave you because that was part of their culture. Fascinating culture, and I I learned a lot, really. Peace, I suppose. I didn't go to university, Peter, so it was my sabbatical, it was my opportunity, uh, not with a hippie type thing, but to find yourself, to learn about yourself more than anything else, and it, it, was, it was a phenomenal experience. And to this day, I can go, alaikum warahmatullahi I can do Arabic. Um, not brilliantly, but I can do it. Uh, and I did it then, you know, so Scousers doing Arabic, not bad, is it? <laughs> was it a huge life-changing experience to come back to get back into this way of life it was Pete and it, it was a huge huge change for me because what I decided to do is the culture that I was brought up in and um, you had to get um, uh, married to to move out the house you know so I got married far too early although I had a beautiful daughter and stuff I'd, over the three years of, of evaluating my life and they came out of course to see us and stuff but I am I got divorced when I come back because I just thought it's wrong and I'm I'm not wrong and I'm not right for this this life I need to start uh, a, a new life so I when I came back I sp- I was in a good position because I could say to my wife, You've got no money worries. Here's the house paid for. Here's the money. I will always look after my daughter and stuff. And I was in London. So I did, uh, the, 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 I, I sort of took on the nearest job I could to Heathrow, and that was working for ITN. So I went into ITN, and I was very sought after because I'd worked in the Middle East on very small cameras. And that's how the whole ENG philosophy. Uh, turned out I was in a great position because I knew them, I'd worked with them and they were just transitioning from film to tape and news was changing.
0: Let me stop you there because you'll have to explain what that's about to our lovely listening audience. What is that?
1: Yeah, well ENG is electronic news gathering and you remember the punches remember that um, all news uh, was film and we used to have, to have a filmic camera with stock in and people would be uh, crouched over some event that was happening and they were relying upon a guy coming behind the camera and taking the stock out and putting more stock in uh, and then that would have to go and get developed people so there was a natural delay so news was never live it was never exactly because it was filmed you know but what we were able to do with the new generation of cameras was to put live cameras with, with, with tape and so forth on events. So the first event that mushroomed was the Iranian embassy siege. Right, which you have completely filmed, didn't you? Yes. We'll talk about that in a second.
0: What made
1: you leave Saudi? What was the final catalyst? Uh, uh, it was a couple of things, but one of them, Pete, if, historically, if you have a look at it, by the way, it was Death of a Princess. Diplomatic relations changed radically between the UK because they'd showed a documentary called "Death of a Princess," uh, where where the, the the princess was stoned for, you know, allegedly having an adultery, you know, uh, adulterous affair, um, and the Saudis just just you know broke off diplomatic relations basically, and it wasn't it wasn't good. So I decided I'd been there three years anyway, and I thought, but well, should be enough time to go home now. So that was a catalyst to go. On. Right, let's go back to
0: the siege. I can remember it. I can remember the people walking on uh, the outside of the building. Explain how you got involved with
1: it. Yeah, well, I'm, I was like putting an ENG together and a, and a crew together, and we were, we were experimenting with um, the new uh, lightweight cameras, news cameras. Um, the older uh, cameraman still had their backup um, cam- uh, film cameras in the boot. This is how mistrusting they were of, of the whole new culture that was coming out. But it changed on that night. What changed on that night was we managed to capture a live event that happened right in front of us. And we we got that iconic moment um, when the, the SAS came round and um, sort of like, Penetrated the the embassy with explosions and so forth, and it was it was caused on camera and I was lucky enough to be there at the time and help the process and managed to cut it out to network and they took it um, and that just changed the whole scale of how news was reported in this country and after that piece i did the uh i did the royal uh, wedding um i did the pope's tour in fact i remember putting one of the small cameras into the pope mobile that did liverpool uh, and I had to ring up the Vatican to find out the height of the Pope. You can imagine that FBI then check on oh, who are you. You know, I have to tell them I'm this engineer. who's doing all oh, right. Okay. So I've actually, I, I know as there are some people who both work with Peter, and I always say it's easier to get through to the Pope than to get over <laughs> you you. And, and I know that because I've got through to the Pope in my life. <laughs> Colin McEwen
0: is with me uh, Colin McEwen MBE and what we will say about Ke- Colin which we'll talk about later he stayed in Liverpool that's a big thing he could have gone to London he could have gone anywhere he stayed in Liverpool as did the lovely Phil Redmond. which brings me neatly onto Brookside tell us about your involvement with Brookside
1: well, it's a direct connection it's, uh, from the time I was with ITN because um, these small cameras were called, uh, There were 330Ps. They were, they, they were a Sony camera. I'd gone from um, uh, sort of putting two or three crews on the road to about 25. Um, my name was mentioned a number of times by Sony, and then Phil... Was trying to find out the best way of recording our soap and to get people involved, and they gave him my name. So he said, Could we chat? Um, I didn't know anything about him, and quickly he said he'd created Grange Hill. And he said, "Um, Where were you born? Anyway, and this is like two scousers interrogating one another. (laughs) So he says, I was born in Heighton. Where about So we went street by street, you know, because uh, and what school did he go to? He went to the Doms, by the way, and I went to St. Ali's, and um, we got right right down to lordens Road, where there was a Moby. Do you remember the old Mobys they sell things out, which we put in Brookside, by the way, later on for that reason, and uh, it was fascinating, really, to find a, a fellow scouser um, and between us agree that we'd give it a go and I thought well you know I'm probably best placed really in a way because I'd trained an awful lot of people in broadcast techniques and Liverpool at that time didn't have a culture So what did you do in Brookside? Everything in my humble opinion but the big thing I did really was um, to uh, uh, sort of technically put it together. Um, where you are sat right now, Pete, is in an environment that we don't outsource anything. That's a legacy I've created because I'd created a Brookside. Uh, when we'd finished the um, episode of Brookside, we'd give the tape to Channel 4. We hadn't outsourced anything, we'd dubbed it, we'd graded it, we'd shot it. Uh, and that was a unique experience you know so basically the, the, my job was to um, create a, a production environment that film um, you know that, that 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 a show could be made and at the time um to do, to do two episodes a week was a huge challenge these, these people had not worked in telly yeah. before yeah. you know they
0: were all brand new what I loved about Brookside, and I've over the years gone, gone up there so many times and done bits and pieces with them in interviews and I've had the odd appearance, every single person in Brookside, you said about staying in-house. Sure. Also, nobody was bigger than anyone. And yeah. if they did, yeah. they got a slap. Uh-oh. From the
1: doorman to to yeah. the cleaner, that's yeah. what I loved. And they kept that even with Hollyoaks, haven't yeah. they? They did. I, 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 uh, a lovely moment, I always remember. Um, you're dead right, please. Uh, what happened was we were like a theatrical company in the end, and you just like circle the wagons and you protect it, and, you, and and everything about it is is something that you want so passionately to work, and we all passionately wanted to work. So to have the first cast member come over to us, Danny Webb. Sorry, Danny, if you're listening to this, mate, but you did. He came over to us and he said, um, "I just got a, a, an opportunity of doing a film on four. <laughs> so I can leave. Uh, the, the best for me to if I leave, then I can come back in maybe six weeks, and you can always write your character out, and uh, you know, uh, and I'll come back in, and you'll you'll it'll be benefit for me. What do you think? And Phil said, "Let me have a think about that." He hadn't got to the door. He put his hand on the door, and he hadn't got to the other side of the door. And Phil said to me, "Heart attack."
0: Did you and Phil and? some of the people you got involved with, eventually Jimmy, which we'll talk about. Did you understand... What revolutionary television you were doing. The storylines were in every newspaper. My radio show lived off Brookside when Stephen Pinder had the uh, Down syndrome child. I had more listeners and more people talking. Did you all realise the revolution?
1: Yeah, I I think what is not well known enough, and certainly Phil deserves an awful lot of credit for this, is... The builders created the characters uh, of Brookside because um, it's that, that, old, that old phrase, who would live in a house like this? So if you remember going going around, you had the Grants, which was, um, you know, a detached house, Ah, they were higher wage earners, um, so you had a bigger family, and then you had the Collinses, which was a semi-detached, and they were downsizing from the Wirral, um, but both of those 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 mothers, Mrs Collins and Mrs Grant chose the same kitchen so that you you got a choice of kitchens and they chose the same one the level of detail that went in was just phenomenal really you know and uh, of course we wanted maybe one house where we could have somebody Twenty four seven. So we thought, how about nurses? That's good. So we went shift. We, looked, you know, we we put them on shifts and, and so forth. And you know, we had like a bungalow. We thought, right. Now the, I spoiled the party a little bit, Pete, because one of the houses. I said we should make that a technical block. And Phil said, No, 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 can't do that. And I said, Your idea of having a uh, and our outside broadcast van is nonsense. Um, if you make it uh, that, we could have wardrobe in there, we could have makeup in there, and we could have an edit suite in there, and we can fire the cameras up from there and do all the grading and everything else. We need a technical block, and that's what happened. Uh, and then we wired the whole close-up to that block. So those two houses, so if I'm stood at the close now, and the sign used to be, like, to my left, um, to my right, was a house that nobody ever lived in, and that was a technical block. Um, did we? I just believed that, that if we'd taken the philosophy that we've we'd done, we'd end up with something special. I've been on Coronation Street, you know, and I, 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 I was a technician on that, so I knew what, what the tradition was. Um, but we were brave, and uh, I remember um, coming up with some really daft suggestions that we did. So we'd Shot the close and every house in the close, and we got used to all that environment. Um, and I said, Why don't we just go and have an outside broadcast? And it was all the thing where are we going to go? And I said, What about the Alamann? I do What about the Man. You can't go to the Man. What, 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 what happens to the Alamann? I said, TT, the TT race. And they, you, can't, you can't shoot the TT during the TT. And we find out there was a trial week before, so we can cons- the whole week, the whole two episodes of Brooks, I was shot in the Alamann. Now, what people also don't realise with Brookside, not only did you
0: break stories, not only did you give exciting television, but you also had so many people coming out, cameramen winning awards, writers winning awards, people like yourself that went on to where we're going to
1: talk about. People didn't realise it was also a breeding ground, wasn't it, for talent? It was. I mean, I'll give you one example. Um, Before we started shooting, we'd heard about this phenomena that was um, placing a camera on a gimbal so basically you could move the camera but it wouldn't actually oscillate or move and it was a thing called Steadicam, Not, not used in the UK by the way, no president in the UK at all. So me and Phil flew uh, to Los Angeles to see it demonstrated by a guy called, I'll never forget it, Gareth Brown. He was three. He invented the Steadicam and he demonstrated in front of us and it was Cinema Products, his company. And we bought it immediately and sent it over to, to, the, to Liverpool, sunny West Derby, and decided to try and train the staff on using Steadicam. And within a couple of months, every shot and the world was shot on a steadicam, and and Bruce said to the point we had to say stop because everybody was going upstairs, everybody's moving around, everybody's pampering to this way of shooting. We thought so we had to like pull back on that. But what we what we did, you know, to give you the one example, there was one of the uh, camera assistants uh, called Peter Cavatuzzi, and if you look at where he is now, he is the foremost leader of steadicam in the world. Um, You know, and he has about 500 quits kits all over the place. Uh, And, you know, he's just one example of uh, people who grew with that culture and and are are world-class now. Why will Brookside never come back? I, I think I think Brookside could come back, but they it would, it, it would have to come back because um, Ricky always laughs about it. He says, We could do it in a retirement home, Colin, because they're all AC, for God's sake. So I, I don't get it. I, I don't get the, the need. We, you know, why not create a, something in the vein of Brookside, but modernise it? You know, that it's certainly the, the the idea of a cul de sac or an environment, a closed environment, I think that would be perfect. And I think using the techniques of Brookside, and, and as you say, be the appetite for the writers to be responsive to modern day drama and what was happening around them very much a need so in that sense we could give birth to another brookside but i think brookside did its job it was something a product of the 80s and and eventually 20 odd years later it died but but there you go talking to colin McEwen and we're now going to move to la productions
0: When you left Brookside, did you go straight to L.A. Productions and form it, or was there a gap?
1: No, Pete, there was a gap. It was a sort of natural gap, and um, uh, I think it was my last um, foray into wanting to rub shoulders with the best. I didn't want to form my own company um, if I didn't think I was as good as anybody else out there. So I went to London um, for a couple of years. Um, just to prove to myself I could compete on a a national stage. I I could compete with the best. And thought, I've nothing else to learn here. In fact, most of the people around me in Soho were northerners. So it just feels absolutely silly to be there and I thought, I want to go home. I want to go home and I create my own company and and it was always done in the vein of Brookside. You know, where we are in Kirkdale right now in my mind is Brookside, basically. Outside the window looks a bit like it anyway but certainly how we operate and the techniques we use and how we make our programmes was a definite product of how we shop Brookside. Did you struggle with the name? Uh, L.A. It was really funny about LA because you know what I wanted to wanted do, piece. I wanted to um, create an environment born out of my experience of learning and therefore, uh, you know, I wanted it to be an academy. So um, it, 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 the full title is Liverpool Film Academy, basically, um, uh, Productions. Because I always thought a production company could come out of... Um, th- 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 Students that you could work with, uh, and therefore, you know, it'd be a natural extension of that. So, I was working with uh, some Americans, and they said, You just want to call it a call it an a, it's just a la. And I thought, and, and I thought, and they also said, um, You should you should use colors in your logo because uh, um, most people who turn things down, they turn things down because when they're presented, they're in black and white. There you go. So, I quickly latched onto that one. So, I, and I did a scroll and a paint of. L.A. Blue, uh, so L. A. L was the blue and A was the red, so it was red, blue, you know, a marriage of the two cultures and so forth, and therefore the name is uh, shortened by the, the by, you know, by by really sort of like the commercial sort of advice, and I thought, yeah, it's good, I, I can live with that. Were you nervous? Um excited more than anything Pete. i mean I, I i it was nervous in as much that you're nervous for what your actions can do to other people and if i wasn't good enough i couldn't i couldn't sustain a family uh, i couldn't i couldn't uh, and not only the my own personal family my own private family but the family of what i was about to create which was you know bringing technicians on in a, in a, in a full way so um, i also thought uh, i'm fed up of working for other people i'm fed up of listening to you know the interpretation of, or, or even sometimes, dare I say, gaining credit on the basis of my own product. So I thought, no, I'm going to have a go, and therefore, I was excited more than anything else, and uh, and 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 took it with gusto. Your first adventure, the first production,
0: how many staff, and what was
1: it? I think the major one really was Liverpool 1, I suppose, um, going back. And Liverpool 1, I'd met Simon Burke, a writer in London, and knew his wife and she wanted to to direct and so forth. And he said to me, uh, and he was a good writer, he'd he'd done... um, uh, a few things for Ted Childs uh, in London, so he's, he was established, and he said, "Why don't you just?" I remember him saying to me, "Pick uh, a genre. Uh, do you want it to be hospitals?" And I thought, "Oh, I only know my family about hospitals." And he and and it went through a few things, A and E, and then um, oh, police. We do something about police. I went, "Yeah, okay, let's do that." So police. So uh, I remember him um, very much like Jimmy, very minimalist on his. And so page one has got. Um, uh L one Burke. That was so Simon Burke. He didn't even put him Simon on it, Burke. And I must have the first page. And then off we did. We, we we shot six um a six part series uh that was shown on ITV. Um it was really well received, which was great from our point of view. It was now now I'm going back instead of forward, I'm shooting it on film. Because I think photographically, uh, as opposed to news and so forth, photographically you couldn't beat film, and there was a certain prestige, Pete, about a film shoot. Uh, even with cast and so forth, it's on film. You know, you were you were up there. You know, yeah. Let's let's use
0: Liverpool One as a, a good example for all these products that we're going to be talking about and all yeah. these dramas. Sure. How difficult? Because people don't understand how difficult it is to get on television, isn't it? The, the the edits, the cuts, the talking. You can't use that language. You can't use that. Yeah. We have no
1: idea out there, have we? No, no, absolutely. Um, uh, I was looking in as much that. Um, I was working with a very uh, established writer who was really well thought of by ITV. That helped a great deal. Um, good scripts attract good people. Simple as that. Uh, and, you know, to get Samantha Janus, she was a southern belle. She was untouchable. You'd never get her, you know. And we got it. And uh, we wanted to use um, that Obvious technique, people. It makes perfect sense to have a southern belle discover Liverpool through, and, and therefore, as she discovers it, the audience discovers it, and our southern audience discovers it, so it had an appeal everywhere. I mean, the, I can remember the first line um, uh, of hers where they say to her, um, thank, Well done on your graduation. Where'd you posting? And she says, Liverpool. And the guy goes, Oh, God. And that's how we took it, and and we took her uh taking taking a job, arriving in Liverpool, really. it was a bit cliche as we we had her arriving on the ferry, which she wouldn't do anyway. we thought, well, why not? if you've got it, flaunted pete so we 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 put it we come she brought her in on the ferry, and her journey was the audience's journey into finding out about a culture that we deliberately by the way shot of a night we shot of a night because Liverpool is a different city of a night. It's beautiful. And, you know, I've flown over it many times when we're doing credits. And it can look quite bland, but as the light goes down, the lights come on, and various parts of the city suddenly take on a different atmosphere. And nearly every single scene in Liverpool 1 was shot at night. Tell me,
0: what did you feel when you first saw it on television? Because this was L.A. productions. This wasn't anything else you'd done. What was your emotion and the way it was received? Because it was received fantastically.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I you know, I, 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 I sort of done, I'd done enough at that time to know, and you know, having accomplished the soap, you know, sort of thing uh, with, with Brookside and stuff. To me, it was just, just a, it was just a natural extension of that. But this time round, it was more glamorous. This time round, um, it was more at stake personally um, and so forth so yeah I was proud more than anything else I was proud and I was happy to be home really and I was also made up that the people around me were people that I'd trained and they were all learning something a little bit more so there, there was some of them were graduates of Brookside who you know that, that, that sort of become freelance and I could take them on and I remember um, just one of them was um, the a guy who started as a grip assistant on Brookside, was uh, graduated to camera assistant, Lipu One, um, who, who was Terry McDonough, and he ended up um, directing, and he directed one of the episodes of Moving On. And then years later, he rang me up and said, Colin, I've cracked the States. And I said, What has? And he went, I've cracked the States. I'm, I'm doing this uh, drug show. Scousers, oh, drug. Can I do something else? What is it? What, what's it called? And it's Breaking Bad. <laughs> So we had an influence, honestly, we had an influence uh, everywhere. And, and Frank Cotter-Boys tells, tells a story just in the same way, which always blew me away. He went to um, DreamWorks, and his, his big shout, Frank Cotter-Boys, DreamWorks, and he goes over to the States and all that on and he's going to meet Spielberg. And before he meets Spielberg, there's an assistant comes down and said, oh, Frank, are you? And he seemed quite English, this guy. And he said, oh, you're Frank... Your Frank got trouble with you. You're, you're from the said, Do you know Colin McKeown And Frank said, "Oh, for Christ's <laughs> sake!" He said, "Jesus, Colin, you, I'm not even. Oh, I haven't got in his office yet. And be, you're, you're 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 a you're a reference point, you know." And I just made up with that really in a way because we have had an influence, you know, uh, the city and the people that we've trained have had a huge influence uh, in various places and so forth. And years and years later, I remember working with with um, uh, Stephen Frears who said to me, my start um, was Gumshoe. Do you remember the the film Gumshoe with Albert Finney uh, and Billy Whitelaw and Billy Dean uh, and so forth? And he said, um, it was my first feature. 1975 it was, and 25 years later, um, he worked on a film that Jimmy wrote called Liam. You know, and and, and yeah. but he knew everything about us, which is amazing.
0: What's coming over in this interview uh, that the industry is very close and very closely knit, and that is coming over. Now, I'm only using one quote because there's so much about you, but the Royal Television Society said, which you said. If you throw a stick out of a window in Liverpool, you won't hit one writer, you'll hit two. Yeah. You have a passion about writers, not you?
1: Yeah, because I've worked with so many and, and of course what's wonderful is to see them graduate and to see Jimmy McGovern start at Brookside, um, um, Frank Otterbruce start at Brookside, you know, and lot lots of writers, Kay Bella, uh, John Gobba um, these will they're all Passionate, sort of like writers who are household names now, but they weren't then. And they've learnt their craft, you know, um, on, on, on something that people often denigrate, which is soaps, that's just soap. Well, soaps are not soaps if you treat them in a way that you are crafting them like a film. And Brookside, um, which is a great reference for us all the time, I know, but um, we, we crafted things like a feature. So it... Brookside was shot single camera. It wasn't multi-camera, so every single frame ha- could be deployed and moved around, and you could create spaces where there wasn't spaces. And if you wanted your performance to be enhanced yeah, you know, from a particular actor, you could give them a bit more space because you'd shot it on single camera. So it was it was something that we did, we all became very competent in, so therefore the legacy that, that Brooks had left was these filmmakers that went all over the world with a great craft.
0: I'm talking to Colin McKeown. Before we talk about justice, moving on, common, broken, Anthony, uh, the Nail Bar Boys, it's just, the list is endless. I want to talk about the MBE. I want to talk about uh, being given the freedom of the city
1: and all the awards you've won. Have
0: you any idea, first of all, how many awards you've won?
1: No, it's funny because um, we could put that microphone down, both of us, uh, all three of us, walk next door and I'll look at the cabinet, you know that old cliche where they said, you need a bigger cabinet? Yeah. We've started to put the awards on the top of the cabinet because the cabinet's too small, so we're going to have to, so honestly, you you can have a look on the way out, take a shot of it on the the way out, but it's amazing, just amazing. (laughs) Are you thrilled? Yeah, really. So, I mean, it's really funny. Can I tell you this little tiny cameo about about Klopp and awards, right? Because um, I was really excited. Uh, I got to point out that you are an LFC yeah. fanatic. Go yeah, on. I am. So we win. Um, the Pre-Italia, which is a, a really big, prestigious uh, award. And if I, 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 I phoned up Ali from the Echo, and I said, you know, Ali, if I was, like, in Manchester, they'd be putting me on a Pope's tour and taking me round Manchester if, if I won the Pre-Italia. Why can't we just get Liverpool Football Club to... T- Klopp, who's... And we're European champions now. You, well, I'm a European champion. Now. I've won this bloody Pre-Italia. And I, I, I know they won't do it. So he, he, he phoned me back and said... Me have a go, I'll, I'll try. So he, he rang me about half an hour later and he said, Well, Colin, I said, well, I'll give you six reasons why he said he, he can't do it. And he said, Colin, shut up, he's very happy to do it. <laughs> and I, this is so Liverpool, this story, you've got to love this story. I tell you, so I'm saying, first of all, I said to me, Lad, do you want to come with me? And me, clap, clap, hey, go see, clap, yeah, that was great. And then the driver, Mike, who you know, he said, Look, look. I can drive you. I'll drive you there. <laughs> so I said, yeah, you can drive. We can't come in though, no mate. And then uh, Zach has got a, uh, at the time, um, I had um, uh, a tutor and a tutor Big Red. And he said, uh, well, I'll actually be with you that day. It'd be quite normal for me to come. And I thought, well, not really. I said, but it, look, you can all come and you get into Melwood and then I've got to go and see a club on my own. So it never happened like that. We all end up going in and clubs saying, was what, 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 all these?" You know. So I described them, who they were, and why they were there. And he said, "Well, that's a pretty good excuse. That's a pretty good <laughs> excuse." He said, "You, the driver, that's a bit thin." <laughs> and he was so so lovely, and he knew about the award. Um, he said his uh, some of his buddies were. F- for German filmmakers, and there'd been quite a number of German filmmakers born it uh, he said it looks a bit weird though because it was a bull So he was, so I got pictures of him like with this bull, pre-Italia and then he presented it to me. So when you do it, get some sort of kudos from it like that, Pete, then you go, wow, you know. And that's and to to achieve that, it was fantastic. The MBE.
0: You're told about it, but you can't tell anyone about it. What was that like?
1: Well, it gets worse and worse, you know, because I decided to go and see my sister in Australia. I'd never been to Australia before. And it was just, um, uh, it was sort of like uh, for the Christmas Really, so just in the new year we come back. So uh, we did it the proper way, Pete. We we sort of like went to uh, Shanghai, spent about a week there. Then we go to Sydney um, and so forth, and then flew on and and brought brought her back and so forth. And uh, I was able to tell them in um, in, on Christmas Day. I won the NBA, but they couldn't tell anybody else, right? So, like, so and uh, it was great to share it with somebody that far, you know. And they were just gobsmacked and just couldn't believe it, you know. I just couldn't believe it, and neither a good eye, really, in a way. I can because I know when Sharon brought me the letter and I said, "Yeah, yeah, come on, tell me the truth." You know? Why? Why? Why did you get it? And I think what, 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 what the designated, uh, Pete, was services to the industry, uh, 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 and basically to the community. So it was a community related one, really, in a way. And, uh, um, I was happy to take it on that basis, really, uh, for, Enterprise and and what I've done to uh, help, um, you know, for instance, the 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 Kirkdale community with um, my, my, my ability to bring people in and train them and so forth, really, and give something back uh, to, to the city. Like we've got a boxing school there now, which gives kids the ability to you know to, to restore them you know, sort of some sort of normality yeah. when during COVID and so forth. So. Um, yeah, I, I I was very surprised to get it uh, really, um, um, but honoured and made up. Who gave it to you? It was Prince Philip. Um, Bless it. Yeah, and I, but it was funny because uh, here's what happened. Um, Liverpool would play Borussia Dortmund that night, right? So, uh, and I think it was something like Friday night. And we we're going to get the thing on the Saturday. Um, so I, I did even try, I made some, uh, given the film industry, nothing's impossible, is it? So I'm thinking, I'll get a helicopter. I'll get a helicopter from uh, as close as I can speak and I'll get it right to, and we're going to stay at the Ritz so I'll get it as near as the Ritz that I can a bit flash but I thought no man. and then the, all the, the mates who knew this said you can't get a helicopter night because it has got to be a jet night. so you can't do that so in the end I, I, I said to Mike um, can you drive us <laughs> so, so Mike drives me, Zach and the girls were coming the next day so right after the match of which we won I'd jump in a car to go to the Ritz so he drove all the way there, Mike, and we get there and they, they knew we, we were coming, so they are waiting outside with all the, the hats and all that and you can imagine this, it, it drove like four hours through the night we and, we, we get to the Ritz they are waiting outside of us, and Mike says alright lads, I'm going to get off, I said, I oh, know you're not I said, come in, I said, for God's sake, relax have a cup of tea, and he, he says well, what, "Mr. Ritz? I said to them Mr. bloody Ritz, come in, I said it's the Ritz we've paid for and I said, like, can you get this van, um a bacon butty, well like a bacon butty, right Yep, and the, uh, the Ritz said, what sort of bacon do you so we So we had three different sorts of bacon. You know, with the big cloches like that, I've still got the picture, by the way, three big cloches, and we had three sandwiches like that. Revealed to us, right? And then they said, gentlemen, I know you wouldn't uh, last night, would you like to have a look at the n- newspaper? So we had we all sat there, eating our bacon butties in the Ritz. You know, we, we you just think, uh, you know, you're, you're loving a dream, aren't you? What did Prince Philip say to you? It was really interesting, because he... he, 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 he I said to him that you know uh, there was two lots of celebrations going on really because Liverpool had just won and I was over the moon and so forth really, and he said, uh, "Right," he said, "He said that's well, it's good to have two things to celebrate." And I said, you, "Oh, you certainly are, mate." And I thought, "Mate," oh, and, like, <laughs> and, and they told me that, uh, Pete, uh, you get this detail of what to do, what not to do, how to walk, what to say, some don't say this, don't say that, and he just. Yeah. started to laugh yeah. with her shoulders yeah. and then I remember Sarah saying to me afterwards what did you say so I told her oh God, Jesus but it was just lovely you know it was just a lovely lovely event
0: before we get to having the freedom of the city let's get this out of the way what's this passion for LFC
1: yeah well I think I think when I was little um i wanted to be um because it was those choices piece of going right back um and i think i was uh, i was certainly passionate enough um and one of the ways out um uh, of the, the, the sort of working class situation that you were in or people designating you a failure of them was to be a footballer so um, everybody in Liverpool has got a story about being a, I, had, I had a trial at X Y everybody name anybody you know by the way if you ever go to London and you're, and you're in a black cab ask the guy did he have a trial for West Ham because they'll say the same thing <laughs> and, and it goes on so everybody's got a story so my story was there was a, uh, two of us big lads uh, uh, Peter Robinson who went to school with and we both went to Bolton for the trial. So that was the big thing, really. We were going we to be professional footballers, um, see how we went. He got the gig and I didn't. And he always said to me, Colin, you're a better player than me. And I said, well, maybe that's the case. But So it was that close. My dad me, um, uh, and everybody in the family were Reds. But, and it stayed with me to this day, Pete, um, he took us to Everton. Um so on on when they were doing home match, she said, Support your city, lad She said, You're red and you should be red, support your city. To this day I've I've got a share of a box at Goodison and I go to to the home games of Everton as well. So that's one thing that's stayed. And I'm proud of that really because I do think it's lovely um to be able to look at our city and say What's great about it? One of the things that's fabulous about it is Everton in the community. It's a charity which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Liverpool's not as good, unfortunately, but Everton in the community is stunning. They're doing a lot of mental health work at the moment, They're wonderful, you know. And to and to be able to support them in that way is great, yeah. you know. Without going into the football, because we're talking about yeah. Colin and
0: nothing mm. else. But we'll just finish with this you must be elated over the years I know you could have had three wives for the money you've spent on Liverpool but you must be elated at your journey with the football club
1: yeah it's been great absolutely great because you know uh, to be as lucky as I had to have met Shankly on many, many, many occasions, because we were filming, of course, uh, the outside broadcast to make to to to, 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 no, to to get to know his wife, to get to know what sort of a man and how he represented himself and the city and so forth, and then and to feel that um, and and the passion and. That are generated and to follow it from the second division, by the way. So I follow them from the second division, and you know, uh, I'm not Methuselah, I'm not that old, but I was from the second onwards, Uh, and it's been phenomenal. And to go with them, and even on Wembley, I went on the Orient Express. Not bad. You know, we've got it flown to you. And it's lovely to, like, enjoy the trappings of life along with your your own football club. Before we go to a break,
0: we've got to talk about the freedom of the city. I was thrilled that I hosted that night. Uh, you got it in the pandemic, which was a pain because we were having all sorts of parties, which mm-hmm. moved on, moved on.
1: Tell me what that meant to you to get the freedom of Liverpool. It was magical, really, Pete. It was a magical night, by the way, um, because you don't get the opportunity... Um, to talk to yourself, and it seems ironic saying that, given the fact we're just doing it now. But it hasn't happened many times in my life, and I don't, I don't want to talk about myself. It, it was just nice for the family to be there and for them to share that wonderful thing of, you know, they don't give it. You know, you have had it, so you, you know you don't give it to many people. You know, in Merseyside they give it to one, so you think that's not bad. Um, and I felt, you know, all kinds of things really because uh, I picked it up on my seventieth birthday you know uh, a little bit delayed because of Covid and stuff but it was fabulous to reach that that landmark and, and that achievement and to know that your peers had voted for you or you know put a, put a word in for you and you, you were recognised as helping the city in some way to the extent that you can drive your sheep down Dale Street which is extremely useful as you know Pete Has anybody ever done that? <laughs> Do you know what I even thought of like having a go you know just, just for sheer publicity stunts Uh I don't know, I don't think they have, but it'd be like, it's not about our things... So we, we could probably have a go at that ourselves, really. Interesting, we, two shepherds. We could bring Ricky Tomlinson and Jimmy yeah, McGovern we'll as go. well, so we could all yeah. have a go at
0: doing it, you know. This journey I'm going on with Colin McEwen uh, is just amazing. It's something I've wanted to do for so long. This is the biggest problem in this section because uh, Colin has done so many incredible productions i'm just going to pick a couple out because i can't do it any other way because the list is ridiculous so let's start with wow moving on
1: 2009 10 years later yeah incredible isn't it um we started a journey uh of doing an anthology series and the first the first problem you got right away is people going that won't work I was like, I was so, so committed to the fact that it would work. And what I thought was great, Pete, was if they're different stories, um, we can have different um, writers on all the stories. We can have different directors and so forth. So we can give opportunities um, for people to cut the teeth really on 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 a small daytime thing that you know people didn't would discard and, and said ah, sorry it 's only daytime drama because at the time when we first started uh, daytime was sort of like banished to uh, sort of repeats of Australian soaps really to have an original and Jimmy McGovern series, by the way uh, inspired by, by Jimmy although Jimmy took a back seat on it which was great because he promoted uh, all the new writers coming through and he would be a storyline editor so that was a great opportunity really for people to learn their trade and, you know, I remember what we needed, a bit like that show going right back to the 60s Pete, which is laughing, do you remember they had l- these boxes and they tried to get celebrities to open but they couldn't get any of it and eventually John Wayne agreed to do it and then they were rammed with everybody. Well, so, moving on, it was exactly the same. I had uh, done a favour for Sheila Hancock, and I asked her would she be in it, and she just said, is the payment of this the same for men and women? Well, the good news was it was so low, it was it was, <laughs> there was no difference at all. She said, okay, young man, I'll do it. So she did it. And we had Derva Kerwin, we had Ian Hart, first first series we had some stunning people the agents had no idea why they were doing it because they, they, they didn't want them to do it and uh, each one of them they, they cried them to do it. and we were we had to, we paid everybody by the way pete equity minimum we yeah. didn't have anything else to pay really so that was the that was the baseline which stayed like that by the way
0: let me stop you there on this because i remember ringing you and i was really i was on radio full time mm-hmm. i was really cross because I thought it was wasted where it was, because it was so. To me, it should have been prime time, nine o'clock. Did that frustrate you at all?
1: Not really, because I set, set out uh, to prove to them that it should be prime time. So it was, in, in my opinion. By the way, they did eventually give it what they called shoulder peak, so uh, uh, which is basically uh, they give it like a ten thirty slot after they did nine to ten with the street. It actually got more viewers than the street there you go so it did prove itself anyway so it didn't matter to me I I know what we'd done you know but it was it was a fantastic thing to do uh, Pete because um, that that anthology thing um, allowed us to to take risks so we actually did one uh, towards the last series uh, where a girl wrote it a blind girl wrote it in braille we actually did one for a guy who was totally deaf, who wrote about the deaf community. So the insight we were able to bring through was just phenomenal. Also, people were queuing up to get on
0: it, weren't they? All of a sudden, word got out, yeah. and every actor wanted to do it. Because it isn't always about the money, is it? If no. it's a good writing, yeah. and if it's a good production, yeah. they'll say, I'll do
1: it. Yeah, well, I, I, if you remember, it's not going back that long. Maybe, like six years ago the, the the hottest program on the universe was the wire right the wire was just phenomenal wasn't it and uh, we, there was a BAFTA showing of it all which just happened to be a and I just happened to be uh, in the gents live as you as you as you are and Dominic West was in there and I said to him would you ever come to Liverpool and you know start in and moving on he said I really I said I've done that much acting recently I don't want to act he said "Well, I, I considered directing and, and he said but you couldn't you couldn't make that happen I said oh yes I could and we did and Dominic West um, the first thing he did after The Wire was here and it was fantastic he picked a, a show uh, uh, an episode called Malaise and I've got the book the that he signed for me, and he said, uh, and the book was from the Wire, and it says the Wire was the best um, TV show on the universe, and and he 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 just scribbled on the bottom that is until we we both made moving on Colin. Wow, get it,
0: wow. wow, get it. Now wow. you've opened you've opened a question there by getting him over here. Nobody has stopped you. You've been to America a few times because you've wanted people in yeah. all these productions. I'm going to talk about yeah. nothing stops you, is it? If you one the top of the bill
1: you go for it. oh no absolutely because I, 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 I do believe uh, I understand actors more than most people and I do believe that if you rationalise with them in a right way uh, I've done I made the step more often than not to knock over their agents for the start go to them direct and say look um, here's what I've achieved in my life here's what I've done read the script If you think the script shit, absolutely no problem at all, but if you think there's a character in there with a character arc, a beginning, a middle and end that you could actually find a part for and that part might get you something bigger, the amount of people that used, you know, moving on as a stepping stone was incredible, loads of people got great work from it, you know. And and in every sense, by the way, uh, people become directors because of it and so forth, and, and you were able to pass that pattern on as well.
0: Colin, if you see the uh, catalogue of work you've done, it, it's ridiculous. What I'm going to do is I'm going to hit you with a date and the name of the show. Tell us what the show's about and tell us what it meant to you. Okay. Before we do that, let me just say one thing about you. You must get a million scripts. You must get so much sent to you. What's
1: is it that jumps out at you it really is hard to say maybe it's something that's triggered by a memory maybe it's something triggered by um by a reason that that nobody else has done there. maybe it's as a whole range of things that that jump out here sometimes Um certainly it would lead on to your reading the script and i don't think you could take any script and not read five or six pages and know it's good you don't have to read. Simple notes. as that. Yeah, you don't have to read hundred pages. You know, right away. Uh, and and we've got a team who think like you think. So what's the, the great thing that we've got here is uh, a philosophy that we've all bought in on, uh, and we all know like, what's good. Because we all compare notes. And we say, what do you think? You know, and then sometimes you, you you can say, oh yeah, I didn't really quite see that. Maybe very rarely. It's normally we all agree. Now,
0: once again, before I hit you with these names, because this is a general question for all of those, Mm -hmm. what also people don't understand is the writer and yourself, because of your passion, they do not know, the listeners now do not know the arguments and discussions you've had, if even one sentence in a, a
1: production. Can you explain that? Yeah, I mean it's 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 I've always had it really in a way, um and, and I I think people of the same ilk as myself and so forth and I and it really is attention to detail. I mean, um best um illustrated by I always remember um there was a storyline meeting and Jimmy uh, McGovern sat where you are there and he was musing on something and he took a pen and scribbled something, went the loo. Uh, so he'd scribbled something and he'd put something on top of it. When he went to Louis, I had to look at it. <laughs> and what he wrote was somebody put down on a script um, uh, She Tosses and Turns in Her Sleep. Jimmy had scribbled it out, but sleep won't come. Sleep won't is a most diff. It's it's the whole rad- radical different thing, you know. So and, and what a wonderful note. And it wasn't even a. It was a stage direction, and that is the is as how finely tuned you get in the end. And 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 we are all on that sort of same page together, basically. That we were that good.
0: But do you get frustrated at some of the people you deal with? you don't have to mention companies or anybody. That does that frustrate you? Because you know, you know, you yeah. won the awards. Yeah. You know the writers. You ain't using crap. You're, you know, you know yeah. that
1: was frustrating. It is because um, I, I know at home I drive Sarah mental because I just, your wife. Yeah, sorry, my wife at home. I'll, I'll cut an episode of whatever we're doing in my head, and and I'll know the beats of it, and I'll just go into that place, that zone that you do sometimes, particularly at night. Really, I'll come in the next day and go, got it, bam, do, and. Yeah, so you really know it works because you've done it and you've felt it and you've felt every cut and every beat of it and you know it works and sometimes you can persuade people sometimes you can't, sometimes you have to do it by example and there's all kinds of ways and means of trying to persuade people but it's part of the art, you know Um, and, and in the end trust emerges yeah. over a period of time.
0: But the other thing with that is it can also hold the production up, can't it? Yeah. One thing could start and it could take f- years.
1: Yeah. It, it can and, and, I, and, I, and it's often an argument I'll use to people to, to say, why don't you just trust us? Or what we might do sometimes, and I've done every trick known to man, for instance, like you say, why don't we shoot it two ways then? You know so it's, you haven't held anything up. You don't. You're doing it. We'll do it your way, which we'll never use. Yeah. Uh, or oh, I'm gonna do it my way, which we we'll use. Uh, but then you don't have to. It, the the psychology of doing that sometimes is not a bad, a, not a bad ploy. You know, I, I I've given lots of tips and tricks to people. Like for instance, uh, the one I, I I always recommend, but once you've done it, you can't do it again, which is trying to get through to someone on the phone. Like I remember was, one time, I got over to Michael Grade one time, and I phoned him up and I said, "Can I speak to Michael Grade?" And one said what's it about and I said don't know, <laughs> 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 you don't, you know. and she's I said I don't know you don't know well I said I, I, I'm just returning as call." Cool. Straight through, right. Straight through. And it's it just a technique, you yeah. know? And you, you learn this. Yeah. You just learn how to penetrate. You learn how to communicate. You learn how to prey on people's vulnerability. They don't want me to be the one that hasn't let you through to somebody who's already wronged you. Get in, Colin McEwen, I'm going to hit you some names. Tell us what
0: it's about and tell us what it meant to you. Let's start with Justice 2011
1: fantastic it was it was an afternoon series um it was about um uh, a, uh, an initiative that started in um uh, new york um and uh, red hook in new york uh, it was um there was a, a new uh, girl that we started uh, on that project and she, and that was jodie coma no. yeah yeah jodie Comer. so not bad not a bad little one to throw in for the stars isn't it really right so although she'd done one tiny coffin of space on a thing called the Royal and all that it was no lines in. this was a five part series that she played the lead in um, against Bob Pugh who, and we, we had to really consider what, what, are we doing the right thing with this case because she never done anything before she was 16 a picture is around on, on the way I'll show you the photograph just Young kid. so that was that was what it, you know was achieved on that that series. Looking back at your catalogue, do you pinch yourself? Yeah, often. But I, you see, that I've still got goals, Peter, and I will still always have goals. My goal is to bring an Oscar back to Liverpool. I haven't done that yet. Um, I've done most everything else, but I haven't done that, and I do want to do that. And it's funny because I was talking to Zach about, it, and he. <sighs>
0: Zach, by the way, while you yeah, get yourself yeah, Zach is your son who is a very talented young man in his own right and a very loud football fan Yeah. 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 Anyway, he said your dad?" Wow, no wonder you got upset
1: wow. Yeah, we'll move on, we'll move on Common, 2014. Fantastic, it, it was basically um, a, a, a woman a, 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 a mum had knocked on the door of Jimmy McGovern and said, why aren't you answering me letters? Uh, I've got a, I've got a problem, and I want you to try and solve it. And she put the wrong postcode on it. Uh, and Jimmy said, "Well, come in then." And it was to try and help change the joint enterprise law. And we had to show the series, the the the, the ninety minute feature, <coughs> to the select committee at the House of Commons, and it did help reevaluate that law. I have been incredibly
0: fortunate and incredibly (coughs) proud. That was one of them, Uh, Reg, which we're going to talk about now, to be allowed to sit in the creation, the embryo of a cast bringing it to life. And I always remember Jimmy said, you never looked at the script? I I didn't want to. I lived, I actually sat in the town hall with all these people around me, all famous, um, and... They brought it to life, and it—the uh, most flattering thing on earth. Common was the first one I went to. Reg, now there's a star you wanted. And mm. wh- about Reg, tell us about the star first.
1: Yeah, well, it was—it was interesting because um, uh, we'd spoken to Reg Keys and i'd said to jimmy why don't we just get him to tell the story to camera? just like a, just put a camera on i'm going to tell the story and, and he told and i said to him if you can do it succinctly mate, them less than 10 minutes we could probably use this the story of what uh, his his journey uh and his, uh, the journey was that he wanted to Uh, put a spotlight on um, the Iraq war and why his son, along with six other Red Berries, got massacred. Um, And there was an awful lot of uh, uh, subterfuge around it. And in the end, um, Blair uh, had had sort of like kept away from him, wouldn't communicate with him. So in a general election, he ran against Blair. And he was, he was, he was then able to confront him on the podium. So, what a phenomenal achievement, really, in a way. So, to, to get someone to play that real life character, you had to, you had to get somebody larger than life. So, in our minds, it was only Tim Roth that could do it. And we thought, are we going to have a good Tim Roth, to do this? So um, the Hubbards, who were like the the, the casting dynasty, really, in a way, who were all Reds, all support Liverpool. Oh, come back to football in the end. And I said to John Hubbard, look, I'll get you tickets to the match. Will you do me a favour? Can you just just have a read of this script and you think we can get it to Tim Roth? He read the script and said, brilliant script. And in front of me, just picked up the phone and said, um, we're the clients at the moment, and uh, John Hubbard here, uh, get this script to um, Tim, um, and l- don't mess this man around, and I want the answer in two weeks, or we'll go somewhere else. Bam, we got him. That was it. Just incredible. You know. Reg,
0: like every one of your pieces, has always been controversial, mm-hmm. and always got the press and got the public... Um, I, I'm not going to ever ask you to pick one of these because you can't because they're all different. You were pleased with Reg, though. You?
1: It was wonderful, yeah. And and because I, you know, when you you want to do your best for somebody who you believe in, and 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 Reg um, was a very special man, and we were able to take his journey. And I always remember what we did is um, um, Sharon, um, who's general manager now, she said. I'll get some tissues in the room. this room, by the way. Uh, And and we put a television in it, and he watched it on his own when, when we completed it because it was for him to share. And he was in tears, and he just said, you've done me justice. So that was enough, really. You just think, well...
0: Colin, it's been the most
1: incredible journey.
0: I want to mention a few more. you uh, shattered myself.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah I'm, I'm shattered. I'm, I'm the, the listeners, they've been, oh, what can we say? I'm loving every minute of it. Broken took my breath away. That was um, 2017.
1: Yeah, well, I haven't been broken, um, Peter. If you go back a little bit, um, Jimmy wanted to get a series away uh, about, Catholic priest. He's always been a subject matter. He cared about and wanted to do it. And over the years, uh, he he he'd sort of like tried to get the six parter away, and um, couldn't do it. Um, so then he, he made it into uh, a four parter uh, and tried to get it away. Uh, didn't do it. And then he um, sent it in sent it as a two parter. Didn't do it. Uh, and in the end, they agreed to do priest. At the time, as, which a, was as a, movie. a yeah, which was a movie as a, as a ninety minutes, um, but I don't. I think there was a score to settle creatively with him with with the subject, and he always wanted to do justice um, to a Catholic priest. We, because I at the time said to him, "What do you want to do next? You know, what is it? You know, let's let's do something with a big on a big canvas that you really really want to do." And he said, "Yeah, no, I really want to do, um, you know, a priest." Um, uh, as a six-parter, um, and I had done one episode of The Accused with Sean Bean, and we couldn't think of anybody else. We thought, yeah, Sean Bean. So I rang the BBC and so, "Jim wants to do something about a priest uh, six-parter, Sean Bean. All right, we'll come over." <laughs> just just flew in from from London here. Oh, I mean, no story. Didn't have a story. Me, and they said, okay, come out with a story. But that's that's a, a go I will never forget the church. Yeah. I will never forget. I, I will never
0: forget him as a priest no. in that church. No, okay. Briefly, is it hard to find the right place to film? Uh,
1: in that case, uh, there was only one. Uh, we had a good relationship with them, uh, and we we'd filmed Liverpool one. That, but by the way um, so we thought nowhere else now this is it and to see um, Sean Bean because I was there was me there was the priest there was him and he just wanted to feel his way round um, the, the subject matter so he came to Liverpool he put the, the vest vestiges on and the clothes and so forth looked round the church and um, started to uh, read the script and so forth and I'm just on my own looking and I'm thinking Jesus this is incredible and to see somebody like you wouldn't think because of the subject matters he's done before because maybe action invention this guy could just go wham and get himself into that role breathtaking breathtaking to just see it transform right in front of you
0: Anthony You've become friends with uh, G Walker, Um, Anthony. 2020, all sorts of awards once again. But you've won so many awards. What does Anthony mean to you?
1: Well, Anthony, um, I'd known G G for a long, 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 long time because 15 years before, um, I did a project called Colorblind with Lenny Henry, fully enough, which went into all the schools. Um, So I knew I knew G and was admired, uh, admired her uh, just. You've met her, uh, Pete, so you know what it's like. She she just has a grace around her, really. And she st- always used to talk to us about Anthony and saying, a great boss basketball player, you know, Colin, he's really good. He's great with his moves and dance. You want to see him dance? But <laughs> it was current tense. There was never past tense about anything. So um, I asked her to help us on Broken because one of the episodes of Broken was um, a black mother had seen her son mistakenly shot by the police and there was a huge sense of loss and, and she said to me, um, do you know anybody that's had suffered that sort of loss? And I said, not quite the same way, but G. Walker would be ideal ideal to speak to. And I knew the interview was going to be powerful, Pete, so we taped it, we, so the actress and, and G. Walker, and we taped the whole interview and it was really, really strong. And at the end of it, G Walker just said, I'm ready to tell my story, Colin. Well. And I went, oh. And this is not the intention of that meeting at all. But she just felt it was the right time. She just felt being talking about it to somebody else to help them. She thought, maybe I can help myself here. So she, I said, You should speak to Jimmy. So two of them locked themselves away and they come up with that reverse chronology which, which was just really genius I think you know
0: was it accepted at the beginning because it was so different it was an unusual or were they sort of did people get it the people that were seeing it put together.
1: I think it was a tough one to do, uh, Pete, uh, because it happened um, or during uh, the whole aftermath of Black Lives Matter, and there could have been um, a, a fallout because of, you, you could have been deceived to be capitalising on something. But we weren't. Uh, and we didn't because we did it two years before, and that's how long it takes to make a movie, basically. Uh, and I, I think people got down. Jimmy had it dead right because uh, he, he sort of, like, diffused the situation by by saying i don't know why, why g asked an old fart an old white fart like me to do it but she did so i did it and then i remember uh being asked why did she use white producers to do it and she said um well, I trust them and, and they only live around the corner, so I just laughed my head off myself, so that's that's all Stanley just live around the corner, did we G? You know No, I didn't mean it like that, Conor, but it was really really funny. But it was fabulous to do, uh and uh there's only G um that word had done it for and, and she uh, had the approval of every single B to that script, she had input to that to that script and it was joyous, joyous to do, you know. And you know what she said to me after the pitch? she said, You've help me see my son grow up, have a baby, um, have a get married. She said, I didn't see that, but I, now I've seen it. Thank you. Colin McEwen,
0: I've got two questions, and then we've got to say goodbye uh, on this amazing journey. Why have you stayed in Liverpool? You could have gone to London, you could have gone anywhere.
1: I think it's in me dna for the start. i i just think that, that if you feel comfortable somewhere and you feel comfortable telling stories from somewhere and if you have like i have a sense of place that my sense of place is liverpool and and, and it's in my dna i can't get rid of it and don't want to get rid of it it inspires me Um, it's my city and to be you know have the the accolades thrown on me just because I'm in the city just seems mad but I'll have them Uh, and it's really nice to be somewhere as comfortable as I feel watching my own side of, of a Saturday you know, sort of thing and the other Saturday watching the, watch the Blues. But it's just lovely to be somewhere where you feel comfortable. You must feel Pete. You work all over different places and, and so forth. To feel, you know, that you, you're connected with, with something and you've helped that connection. There's nothing like it. Last question.
0: To everybody out there, film... Writers, actors, what advice communally to them? Because the business has changed.
1: It has, it has, in a very strong way, uh, changed in many aspects of it, really, in a way. But I would just simply say that, first of all, don't give up easy, because there's one common denominator, really. If you believe in what you're doing, then believe in it and carry on believing in it, and then at some point, somebody else will help you believe Uh, it's a simple analogy people you know you get someone um, who wants to achieve something so um, metaphorically let's say we're in a car we don't know anything about mechanics get out the bloody car and put the bonnet up you might never be you may be looking at anything that doesn't make any difference but somebody will come over and say you've got a problem now and they'll help you why did they do that they did it because you motivated them to do it so you know Remember that and remember that you can make a difference and you can achieve things if you believe in, in yourself and you can move forward. So move forward. If you enjoyed that,
0: why not subscribe? Because it's free and you'll get all our other podcasts. Liverpool Live.